Amen. Now, no Baptists don't know Latin. Okay, so that's why we put the words up there on the screen for you. Merciful Jesus or Holy Jesus, it can be interpreted. But I appreciate Doc doing that for us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture this morning as the kids are headed out there to the children's church. We're going to look at Mark chapter 16. We're going to open with that. Then we're going to look at John chapter 20. We'll spend most of our time there in John 20. But let's begin by turning to Mark chapter 16. Uh, We're going to look at verses 1 through 8 there as we've been on a path to Resurrection Sunday. Today we want to look at just the simple words, He is not here, He is risen. Okay? Now again, over the past few weeks, we've been following this path to Resurrection Sunday. You know, looking at the path of the final hours, you know, of the life of Jesus Christ before He was about to complete His mission that He came here to earth to do. That was to give his life uh, for the sins of the entire world. Now, up to this point, Jesus has been rejected by the Pharisees. He, his disciples went uh, to sleep when Jesus needed them the most there, when he was going through the oil press, the Garden of Gethsemane. We've seen him arrested. We've seen him beaten to the point that he didn't even look human. We've seen him hung on the cross until he died there in that hot sun. And all this happened in just a matter of the last few hours of our Lord's life. And then when they took him down from the cross, they placed him in a tomb. But the question is, would that be the final curtain? When they placed Jesus Christ in the tomb, it was that the final curtain. Would that be the end of the story? Now, many people, many people, including those closest to him, felt that was the case. This one that we put all our faith in, this one we put our trust in, you know, with the one we thought was going to be our king, the one we thought was going to free us from this Roman slavery. He's up on the cross. He's dead. He's been laid in a tomb. That's the end of the story. Or so they thought. Or so they thought. But you know, here's what we're going to see here in Mark chapter 16, is even those who was the closest to him felt that this was the case. And we know that to be the fact from what we're going to look at here in Mark chapter 16. If you'll turn there, let's take a look at this. We find here in this passage of Scripture that the women coming to the tomb that day were arguing over the fact, or they wasn't arguing, they was discussing the fact, hey, when we get there, we've got all these spices to anoint his dead body. But if y'all will remember, they rolled a big stone over the end of that tomb. Who is going to roll the stone away? We're just weak ladies. How are we going to get the stone away? This is what they were discussing as they was walking to the tomb with their spices, not to expect a risen Savior, but to anoint a dead body. Verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they may, may come and anoint him, speaking about the body of Jesus Christ. And very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher and uh, at the rising of the sun, and they said to themselves, and again, here's what they were discussing on the way, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Now, do you think, I think they were expecting that stone to be rolled away? 
Don't think so, or they wouldn't have been asking that question, would they? They thought Jesus was still in that tomb with the stone over the door. These are the ones that was closest to him. These were his followers. These were his disciples. Verse 4. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. And he said unto them, Be not afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. Now look at the words. He is risen. He is not here. Now, do you think they believe that angel? I don't think so. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. Because here's what she said. You know, uh, behold the place where they lay him, the angel said. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him as he said to you. Now, what is he talking about there? Jesus told you he was going to come back alive. Jesus told you he was going to see you again. Jesus told you he would meet you in Jerusalem. And when they went out quickly, they fled. <laughs> in other words, they ran. They ran. Why would they run? Because they were afraid. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said anything to any man again, for they were afraid. Now, it's easy to see here in Mark's account of Resurrection Sunday, folks, that the last thing the women were expecting when they got to that tomb was for that tomb to be empty. And that's why they were shocked and they were afraid as they saw that tomb empty. And the last thing they were expecting was that stone to be rolled back. The last thing they was expecting was, was to find a resurrected Lord because they brought the spices to anoint His dead body. And even though Jesus had told them multiple times, you know, about His resurrection, you remember in one instance Jesus gave them the, the example of Jonah in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. Jesus said, just like Jonah was in that belly of that great fish and He came out, He said, I'm going to be in that tomb for three days and three nights and I too will come out of the grave. Did they believe Him? Evidently not. Now, let's turn over to John's account, John chapter 20. Because in John's account of the resurrection, John goes a little deeper into detail about the reaction of Mary Magdalene. This is what we're going to focus on this morning, her response, her reaction. As you know, according to Luke chapter 8 and verse 2, Mary Magdalene was a a disciple of Jesus. And she began following Jesus after he cast out seven demons out of her. He cleansed her of seven demons in her life. And after that, Mary began following Jesus as one of his disciples. Now, she was one who witnessed the crucifixion. She saw Jesus die upon that cross. She was one that was at the burial when they placed him in the tomb. And you know what? She was the first to see him after he resurrected. Now, let's look at John 20 and go a little bit more in detail with the reaction of Mary as she was the first one to see our resurrected Lord. Here at the tomb of our resurrected Lord, Mary addressed a few questions. And I think at some time in our life, we are going to have to address these same questions. In fact, I would be willing to say that there's some of you here this morning, maybe even some who is watching us on Facebook Live this morning, who need to address these three questions in life. 
The first question is this in verse 11. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? Look what he says. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as Mary looked inside that dark tomb and saw these couple of angels here, you know, they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Mary's answer was simple. They've taken away my Lord. Did she say, my Lord's resurrected and I don't know where he went? No, she thought somebody had come in and they had stole the body of her Lord. She said, they've taken him away. I don't know where they've laid him. You know, and I, I think the angels were a little perplexed at this time. And here's what I mean by that. You know, they were perplexed because Mary was crying and she was shedding these tears. And they wasn't tears of joy that Mary was shedding. They were tears of sorrow because, you know, she, she, she was sad because she thought the body of Jesus Christ had went missing. So it wasn't tears of happiness. He's alive just like he said he was going to be. No, it was tears of sadness, folks, because she thought somebody had stole him. And I think these angels asked this question out of curiosity. Because of that, you know, they probably thought, wait a minute, this woman walked with Jesus. Uh, you know, she, she should have known that he's alive. I mean, after all, he told them time and time again that after three days, he was going to come alive. So why is she crying? I believe these angels were perplexed. You know, then Mary turned around. After she stepped out of that tomb talking to that angel and she turned around and she seen a man standing there. Now she just assumed this man was the gardener. In other words, she assumed this man was the person who takes care of the graves. She assumed this man was the one who was the caregiver, if you please, the, the grave keeper. Now let, let's take a look at this for a moment. Look at verse 14. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, here's what Jesus said too. Woman, why are you weeping? Wait, what, what, what's going on here? Why are you crying the way that you are crying? Why are you carrying on the way that you're carrying on? This same, a stranger asked the same questions as the angels asked. Why are you crying? Now, I would be willing to say, Okay, I would be willing to say in today's can't, uh, cancel culture, of which I believe the feminist would say that by Jesus referring to this lady as woman, <laughs> that's pretty chauvinistic. How dare Jesus be so chauvinistic by calling this woman a woman? You know, in fact, they would probably want to cancel everything to do with Jesus because of that. However, the term woman is not rude. Back in this day, it was not rude. It is, it wasn't so chauvinistic. Rather, it was equivalent of saying, ma'am, why are you crying? Ma'am, what's going on here? Ma'am, why, why are you acting this way? You see, how many times do we allow ourselves to shed tears over things that happen in our own life and we don't even understand that Jesus is right before us? You do understand Jesus was standing there in front of her, right? You do understand she was talking to Jesus. You do understand that she thought he was just a gardener. 
How many times in our life, folks, are, 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 are we going through things in our life and all along Jesus is right there in front of us and then rather than recognizing Him for who He is, we're so focused on what it is we're going through that we totally miss our Lord right in front of us. That's where Mary was. That's where if Mary had not been so focused on what she viewed as a loss in her life, she was, would have seen that the answer to her problem, the answer to her question was right there in front of her. Listen, there's times in our life that we're going to go through things. We're going to go through things that are sorrowful. We're going to go through things that hurt. We're going to go through things that, you know, we don't understand. And the point is that what we can see right here, if we're so focused on that thing that we're going through, this situation that we're going through, if we're so focused on that, we're going to miss Jesus right there in front of us. We're going to miss the one who has the answer to what it is we're searching for right there in front of us. Now, the next thing I think we see here is Jesus asked this question out of compassion. Look, Mary loved Jesus and his heart was moved by her tears. I think his heart was moved by her tears because, you know, he knew, well, you know, she's crying because she thinks I'm dead. She's crying because she thinks I'm lost. You know, why are you crying? He knew the answer, but he wanted her to say it. He wanted her to say it. You know, and she answered honestly. They've taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. Look, she didn't say, oh, nothing's wrong. I'm, I'm fine. I'm really fine. You know, she was honest with her Lord. And we have to be honest with the Lord. Look, there, there, there may be some here today who is hurting emotionally. And though on the outside, you're putting on a pretty good show for people here this morning. On the inside, you're crying out because of the hurt you're going through. You're crying out on the inside because of the pain that you're going through. You know, you're crying out because of what you're feeling. And, and, and you don't even see that Jesus is right there in front of you. You know, here's the thing about we as human beings. Many times, now, this younger generation, and I don't understand this. Let me get off on a tangent here for just a moment. This younger generation can, can be on a phone, okay, they can be on a computer. They can be doing schoolwork. They can be doing five or six things at a time. But as old folk, you know, we can only focus on one thing at a time, can't we? We're not multitasking. But here's the thing. We can only focus on one thing. Now, the question is, are you going to focus on your problem like Mary was doing and miss Jesus right in front of her? Or are you going to look for Jesus and see him standing right there in front of you during your situation? That choice is yours. That choice is yours. I learned a long time ago that if I focus on my problem, if I focus on my situation, that I'm going to miss the Lord. And I make it a point now not to focus on my problems, not to focus on my situations. But when I'm going through things in life, I start looking for Jesus. Where's he at? Because I know he's here. How do I know he's here? Because I know he's here. And that choice is ours. That choice is ours. 
You need to be honest with Jesus. You know, don't just sob and say, oh, nothing, I'm really okay. You know, he knows when you're broken. He knows when you're hurting. He just wants you to admit that I have a problem here. I'm going through something here. I cannot make it without you, Lord. He just wants you to be honest with him. And you know what? More importantly, he wants you to be honest with yourself. When you're going through pain, hurts, and sorrows or whatever, many times we try to convince ourselves everything's okay. And we're not honest with ourselves. Look, if you'll be honest with yourself, then that's going to help you go to searching for Jesus. And I will assure you, if you're a child of God's, he's going to be right there in front of you. Just like he was standing right here in front of Mary. He wants you to face your feelings, and then he wants you to trust him to bring peace to your life. Now, let's look at the second thing. The second question here is, you know, who are you seeking? That was the second question. Who seeketh thou? Now, look at verse 15 and 16. She, talking about Mary, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have bored him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I'll go take him away. <laughs> In other words, you just tell me where you put him, Mr. Gardener, Mr. You know, Gravekeeper, and I'll go get him and I'll bring him back. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Now, that's all he said, you know. I don't know in what tone he said that, whether it was a tone like, oh, come on, Mary. I'm right here in front of you, and you're focused on your situation. I don't know in what tone, but what we're told here is Jesus just simply said to her, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Now, let's don't miss this. The next question Jesus asked her is, who are you seeking here? And when Jesus asked Mary, you know, her answer showed her deep love for him. And she still didn't recognize it was Jesus at this point because she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where he's at and I'll go get him. And at that point, Jesus couldn't conceal himself any longer. So when Jesus spoke her name, that's all it took. When Jesus spoke her name, she fell at his feet knowing she had found the one whom she sought. So she was looking for Jesus, and she found him. Now, it took her a while, didn't it? He was standing right there in front of her. Look, if we're to find Jesus, folks, we got to seek him. We've got to seek him. Look, many people are searching for truth. Many people are searching for purpose and healing and comfort. And the sad thing is, many seek the answer in everything else but Jesus. There may be some of you hurting here this morning and you're seeking answers everywhere else but Jesus. You buy these self-help books. You listen to these doctors that are supposed to know everything on TV. You listen to all these psychiatrists that knows every problem you got and how to heal every problem. And you're seeking everything to resolve your situation, but the only one who can. The only one who can. You know, you you can seek the answer to these things, folks, in life. You can seek answers to your problem in drugs, alcohol, relationships, sex, and other things that this world have to offer. But none of them, none of them are the answer to what you truly seek. 
Look, we must seek Jesus if we're to find the answer to life's sorrows. We must seek Jesus if we're to find the answer to life's problems. We're to seek Jesus to be our problem solver. And the thing is, most of the time, he's right there in front of you. He's right there. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, other than Jesus, I guess you might say. You know what he once said? There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is what? You know the scripture, destruction. You see, for many people in our world today, they're seeking all these different other ways to resolve their problems and their situations. And Solomon is saying, there's a way that seems right. This may seem right for you to go in this direction. But all it leads to is destruction. You want to solve your problems. You want to solve your sorrows. You want to get over whatever it is emotionally that you're going through in life. Whatever you're going through spiritually in life. The answer is right in front of you. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Mary knew the one thing she was seeking. And that was Jesus. You know, Mary had battled seven demonic possessions of possessions. And Jesus changed her life. So she knew about seeking Jesus in the sorrow of life, that he would end it. And she found who she was searching for, for the answers in her life. But the question is, have you found the answer to the situation in your life? Now, the third and final question is, will you fall before the Lord? Are you willing to fall before the Lord? Look at verse 17. And Jesus said to her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. He said, but, but go tell the brother. And you know, even the disciples, you remember Peter ran to the tomb, John ran to the tomb. You know, they saw the tomb was empty and what they do? They headed to a house to suck their thumbs. Okay? Because they were sorrowful too. He said, go tell the brethren and say to them, I ascended to my father and your father and my God and your God. Look, Jesus couldn't conceal his identity any longer. When he saw his love for Mary, he just simply spoke her name. And when Mary heard her name spoken by Jesus, she realized it was the Lord. And her despair turned to delight. Can I tell you something? It's a great and mighty thing to hear God speak your name. When I was in the sixth grade in Second Baptist Church in Tomball, Texas, now they changed the name to Carroll Street, but God spoke my name one Sunday night. He said, Gene, I want you as one of mine. Now, I, I, I had a choice to make that night wasn't a doubt in my mind i heard the voice of god wasn't a doubt in my, my, my mind i heard jesus call my name but the question was would i go to him would i go to him look this morning jesus may be calling your name the question is what are you going to do how will you respond mary man it, it got to her you know what she did she fell to jesus's feet she began worshiping him. Now, you, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't see that in the scripture there, okay? I don't see that. 
Well, it says, touch me not. So what that passage is saying to us is she failed to grab Jesus, grab Jesus around the legs and begin to worship him. That's why Jesus said, don't hold on to me, says some translations read it. You know, he had something for her to do. He said, I want you to go get them other people who doubted the resurrection. And I want you to tell them where to meet me. Look, Mary and the other women did just as Jesus commanded that evening. They showed up among the disciples, you know, and, and told them that, you know, hey, the Lord is alive. Now, can, can I tell you something? I believe that when Mary found those other disciples, I believe she didn't just say, hey, he's alive. I believe she shouted, he's alive. He's alive. And I believe they all looked at her like she was crazy. Because again, up to this point, they still did not believe that he would resurrect. Now they got together and everybody was there but, but Thomas in that room. And when Thomas returned, they told him the good news. He's alive, Thomas. He's alive. But you know what? Thomas was just like many people today. He was a skeptic. He was a skeptic. And Thomas told him, he said, listen guys. Look, dudes, this is East Texas paraphrase here. Look here, dude. You know, yeah, right. I will not believe that story that he is alive until I can place my finger in that hole in his wrist. I will not believe that he is alive until I can put my hand in his side where I saw that spear rip his flesh apart. Many people are like old Thomas today. I'll believe in the risen Lord when I see him. You know what? When you see him, it may be too late. Because when you see him, it may be at that great white throne judgment. And let me tell you something. That's not where you want to see Jesus for the first time. That's not where you want to see him. You know, what What we're going to see here is doubting Thomas had to eat his words. See, I've got the scripture up there. We want to go to it. But in John chapter 20, verse 26 through 29, a week later, the disciples was at a house again. And this time Thomas was with them. Now, they was in locked doors. They was in a room with the doors locked. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in. And you know what his words were to them? Peace be unto you. Now, I don't know how peaceful that would be for Jesus to just show up in a room, okay? Right through the wall, right through the door. But he said, peace be unto you. And then he looked at old Thomas. <laughs> he looked at old Thomas. He said, Tom, come here. Come here, Tom. He said, here's what I want you to do, Tom. I want you to put your finger right here. Put, put your finger there, Tom. Run it through it, Tom. And by the way, Tom, while you're standing there in front of me, why don't you take your fist and run it in my side where they cut me open? <laughs> oh, Tom said, my Lord, my God. In fact, here, here's what it says here. Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, and put it in my side. Stop doubting, Thomas, and believe. 
Listen, there's some of you here this morning who are still doubting the resurrected Lord. You still haven't accepted the, the, the sacrifice He made on the cross for your sins. You're no better than doubting Thomas. Because you're saying, I will believe in Jesus when I see Him. Again, if you die without Him, then when you see Him, it's going to be at that great white throne judgment. And that judgment is simply for the purpose of being cast off into hell. Because your name will not be written in that Lamb's book of life. Look, all Thomas could say is, my Lord, my God. Look, have you fallen on your knees and declared Jesus to be your Lord? Because Thomas doubted that resurrection. Get this. Because Thomas doubted the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For over 2,000 years. You know the name that has stuck with Thomas? Anybody know? Doubting Thomas. For over 2,000 years, when you hear Thomas, you usually think, that's old doubting Thomas. Is that what you want stuck with you the rest of your life? Oh, doubting Gene. Oh, doubting Gerald. Oh, doubting Kenneth over there. I don't want that stuck with me the rest of my life. Look, you may consider yourself a skeptic, as did Thomas. But when he saw the resurrected Lord, he fell to his knees and worshipped Jesus. My Lord, my God. You know, Jesus teaches us this. He says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, the question is, when are you going to fall to your knees before the Lord? Are you going to fall to your knees now while you're still alive and give your heart to Christ? Or are you going to fall to your knees at that great white throne judgment right before judgment is cast upon you? Because Jesus said every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord. The question is, when are you going to do that? If you wait until that great white throne judgment, it's too late. It's too late. The thing to do is now fall to your knee and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord, to be your Savior. In verse 29, Jesus said this, Thomas, because thou hast seen, you have believed. But he said this, Thomas, the only reason you're believing in the resurrection right now because I'm standing here in front of you, okay? The only reason you're believing, Thomas, is because you can see that hole. You know, I believe if Jesus held it up to the window with the sun behind him, I believe they could have seen the hole, seen the sunlight through the hole. But he said this, Thomas, blessed are those that have not seen, yet believe. You know who he was talking about? Us. Those of us who are here today, Jesus said, blessed are them who didn't have to see me to believe, but they believed on him who they have not seen. Are some of you here this morning like old Dialing Thomas, you're saying, I'm not going to believe in that resurrection of Jesus Christ until I see him. 
Will you fall before the Lord this morning? Will you confess him as your living Lord, as one who is not seen, willing to believe? Only you can make that decision this morning. But Jesus is before you this morning. He's right in front of you this morning. If you've never accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, you may be looking everywhere else for that salvation. And all along, he's standing right here before you. All you got to do is, as did Mary, fall down and worship him. All you have to do is, just like Thomas, fall down and say, my Lord, my God. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We want to give you that opportunity. We're going to sing a song of invitation here in just a moment. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to invite you to, as soon as we stand, just with that same motion, come on down and let us take you to the cross. Let us introduce you to our Jesus, who is right in front of you at this very moment. If you're a child of his and already and you've been saved but you know the life you're living is not one he's pleased with you know what maybe you need to come down to this altar this morning and confess that to him and begin serving him the way you should let's pray